0: night when the moon is high, the shadows dance, evil will rise, the world between the living and the dead is the so now at the time to let the horror you know again. Welcome back to the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm Trent. And we're missing some guys because they're out howling at the moon right now. Looking for some uh, wedding crashing <laughs> Yeah, they're looking ladies. for some
1: ladies to take home. <laughs> Our Ian's are at a wedding tonight, so we uh carrying on without them. Yeah. That was a good howl, by the way. You could be like a good, like... Not like the DJ, but the guy that works with the DJ at the radio station that makes all the all <laughs> the buh, funny buh, sound buh, effects. Buh. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I
0: didn't really practice it in my head. I was like, how am I going to start this a little bit different? Because we do it the same every
1: time, it seems like. So. No, it was good. It was like no voice crack, no nothing. Like, you must have practiced. <laughs> I did not. But Just hey. the whole drive over here. Ow!
0: One thing I do is I like to sing... And if you guys know me, I'm not good at singing. <laughs> but I like to sing, and my dog comes up to me, Quinn. She loves me. She comes up to me, and she starts, she starts howling and baying while I'm singing. So then we get in a contest of howling back and forth. And it's kind of like uh, I'll try to match her tone and her, <laughs> her pitch. Harmonize. I try to harmonize with her a little bit. So I think that's where it comes from. Uh, if you haven't guessed already, we're talking about werewolves this week. We're going back to the Universal Monsters type stuff. Nice. And We already did our Frankenstein episode, which yeah. I've got a, a lot of good feedback on that one. People liked us going into the gene splicing and all the different Promethean type, Prometheus type things.
1: That was a very well-researched episode. It was Very a, insightful. It
0: was an insightful episode, and I think people... Uh, looked at it a little different, you know, that Frankenstein mythos and how that one movie plays into other movies. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. we're going to talk about that again, because the werewolf is just as important in that mythos, right?
1: Yeah, I would maybe go so far as to say the werewolf is maybe my favorite of the classic creatures. I do like the werewolf. He's just...
0: He's like a beast he's got that beast inside of all of us
1: yeah just the whole just and you're probably going to get into all of it but just the whole mythology behind it the full moon the silver bullets all that kind of stuff i think is cool
0: all right so first we're going to define what uh what a werewolf is and what lycanthropy is which is which is how we i guess could start the whole episode off but The term werewolf, a werewolf, literally means man-wolf from old English. Okay. And it's a mental disorder in which the patient believes that he is a wolf or some other non-human animal, and otherwise known as lycanthropy, from the Greek lykos, which means wolf, and anthropos, which means man. Even in Greek mythology, one can find stories about men transforming into wolf. They told the story that the mighty Zeus... Became angry at a man named Lycaon, or Lycaon, something like that. I said the same thing twice. I don't know why that...
1: Lycaon. I did.
0: Lycaon. Lycaon. I don't know. We'll just (laughs) just mix it up. Lyce. And for punishment, he turned this man into a wolf. With this story, we get the term lycanthropy. Okay. All right. So it goes all the way back to Greek mythology. Usually, a person is deemed to take the form of the most dangerous beasts of prey in the region. Now, this is something I thought was interesting because when you think of werewolf uh, in olden times, we think of England, Europe. You know, it's kind of where the werewolf, you know, the gypsies, yeah, stuff like that. I would agree. And then, you know, more modern wolf-like man, we think of wild man. You know, I don't know if you noticed
1: my shirt today. The Kentucky Wild Man. That's
0: the Kentucky Wild Man is actually a legend. It's a uh, cryptozoologist's dream down there in Kentucky. He's a it's supposed to be a real thing. It's a ba- basically Bigfoot.
1: I would say he looks a lot like Bigfoot. He's just basically Bigfoot. Not so, so original Kentucky.
0: So, so the uh, the Wild Man myth uh, could it, could it be a man? Could it be you know something more primal? We don't know. But uh, it's funny that it, while I was researching this, that those dangerous beasts of prey for different regions or continents throughout the world Mm -hmm. took on a different beast every time. So if you look at uh, Europe and Northern Asia and North America, you look at the wolf or the bear as being the beast that the man turns into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right? If you look at uh, Africa, it's the leopard or the hyena And if you look at India, China, and Japan, or elsewhere in Southern Asia, it is the tiger.
1: That was going to be my guess.
0: Yes. So those symbols are throughout those cultures. You see wolf and bear cultures all the way through North and South and Central America. You see uh, jaguars and uh, hyenas in Africa all the time and their symbols. And you see tigers in India, China, and Japan all the time. So... It's really interesting that those different regions have the same type of myth of man turning into that beast. Um, and it, there are other animals mentioned too. I mean, they, it even goes into people turning into dragons mm. and stuff like that. Uh, both the superstition and the psychiatric disorder are linked with the belief in animal guardian spirits, vampires, totems, or totemists, witches and werewolves, the folklore, fairy tales, and legends of many nations and people show evidence of lycanthropic belief throughout their history. So these beliefs have gone back to, you know, the dawn of man on each continent of, of things that go bump in the night and witchcraft and sorcery and things that, you know, if something happens, find somebody to blame. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying like can't just be a natural cause that we got to find some kind of witchery or witchcraft or something fair, spiritual yeah. in the, it
1: it's the logical place to go
0: <laughs> right i mean how how far have we come really <laughs> if you think about it oh it can't be you know people just don't like this or that you know it's got to be a conspiracy right so yeah okay
1: i was just thinking though i was i, I want to see some movies with a wear hyena
0: Aware hyena would be a, a cool movie. those those move those uh hyenas are very uh aggressive too yeah they're more pack oriented than wolves wolves run in packs but hyenas are pack oriented but they're also self-sufficient yeah. and they, they're very highly aggressive uh so that, that would be cool i know you're kind of making fun of that but that's
1: no i mean you you just said that these legends exist in different versions all over the world you just would think there would be other movies that would kind of show that too yeah from other countries well
0: you you also have to realize too countries that have movie making capabilities they usually put their legends in those movies right and you don't see a lot of African movies here in America true so yeah but you see a lot of Indian movies movies, they have a pretty big film but they do have a lot of things about tigers yeah in That's their
1: true. movies. Maybe there are some weird tiger movies. And magical,
0: magical tiger. Like I've seen magical tiger movies. I mean the one made here in America was had like a magical tiger where the dude was on the boat with the tiger.
1: Yeah, the uh what was that? It was based on a book. The yeah. Angley movie. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. So The Life of Brian. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I think it's Life of Pi actually. Uh
0: stories of men, um, Turning into beasts, go back to antiquity, um, even further back to ancient Greece. Goes into Rome, uh, the werewolf myth, presumably stemming from prehistoric times, becoming linked with the Olympian religion. In Arcadia, a religion or no, sorry, a region plagued by wolves. There was a cult of the Wolf Zeus, Wolf Zeus,
1: hmm.
0: Mount like Ly- It's kind of lichen. Uh, was the scene of the yearly gathering at which the priests were said to prepare a sacrificial feast that included meat mixed with human body parts. According to the legend, whoever tasted it would become a wolf and could not turn back into a man unless he abstained from human flesh for nine years. So, you're having a festival. (laughs) Hey, we we got the pork barbecue over here and the meat kebabs and Jim's left arm. But if you... Partake in some of Jim's left arm. You can't eat any of that for the next nine years. It's like they're they're welcoming it, <laughs> and then they're saying, "But like big teases." Yeah,
1: hmm.
0: it really doesn't make sense, but it's kind of funny.
1: Do you have anything in your notes about Nordic mythology? Because uh, there's a lot of wolf. Uh, the
0: berserker. I talked just briefly about I mean, that, but that comes
1: from that because they have. Like, I think there's, like, a wolf that guards hell. Yes. And then, like, Loki can turn into a wolf. Yeah. I think the one wolf's called, like, Fenris or something. Yeah. I didn't know if that was in your notes or not, but...
0: I didn't put all that. I didn't go into every region's, like, Fair enough. I just... Things.
1: I like North Smith, Norse Well, I mean, let's mythology. just talk
0: about it. Like, that and uh, Cerebus, which is in...
1: That's Greek, right? Which is in Greek. The three-headed dog. Yeah. Or wolf. And then you
0: have the actual warriors that were Nordic were called the berserkers mm-hmm. and they're the ones that would wear the wolf cow over their heads and they would it's true. be like beastial when they would fight and growl and bite and <laughs> bite at the people's necks while they were stabbing them and all kinds of crazy stuff. So,
1: Like that movie that I didn't see, The Northman. Did you ever watch yes. that? Is that kind of what that's like?
0: S- similar, yes.
1: I wanted to see it and I heard it was kind of bad, so I didn't. It w- I
0: don't think it was bad. It just wasn't it's like... weird. Yeah.
1: Because it was from that one guy that did, like, The Rob, Robbie Eggers. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I like. thought it was
0: good. It was a beautifully filmed movie, and the fight scenes were excellent. It's just, it kept on dragging on, and, like.
1: I heard it was slow, and I heard they, like, grunt through the whole movie. More so than, like, actually talk.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very thick. <laughs> like, dialect. And there's, like, an incestuous kind of part, which is weird.
1: Okay, okay. It
0: doesn't actually, like, happen, but it kind of alludes that it could happen.
1: A little bit from last week's episode. Yeah, so. it's
0: a little weird. A little weird. All right, as you were. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's fun. So the Romans all kn- also knew this superstition. And the Romans, as we know, are supposed to be the more modern society leading into our modern-day societies, right? Mm-hmm. But they still had superstitions, you know, even though they tried to quash some of those. Um, anyone who's supposed to have been turned into a wolf by means of magic spells or herbs were called which is called a turnskin in an English language. Okay. Uh, so they called them turnskins by the Romans. Stories about the werewolf in French. So in France, it's called the Loup loop Garou. Loup Garou. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making that totally up. Like, <laughs> it's L-O-U-P dash G-A-R-O-U. Loup Garou. <laughs> Just throw, it, throw it a <laughs> throw a Cajun accent <laughs> on Loop-garou? that. garou Uh, They were widely believed in Europe during the Middle Ages. France was particularly afflicted with reports of them in the 16th century, and there were many notable convictions and executions of loup gurus Outlaws and bandits played on these superstitions by sometimes wearing wolf skins over their armor. At that time, people were unusually prone to develop the delusion that they themselves were wolves, suspected lycanthropists were burned alive if convicted. Uh, only rare was their condition recognized as a psychological disturbance. Although the superstition is no longer common, traces still linger in some primitive and isolated areas. So this is people in the past. They literally thought wolves would come eat them. Mm-hmm. They thought people would change into wolves. Now we we all know what skinwalkers are in the Native American culture, you know, here in North America, and people changing into different animals and people having totem animals and stuff like that. So it's still a belief in many cultures, right? And some people still believe in all this. However, we're talking now the difference between superstition superstition, and morality, mm-hmm. right? Uh, recent study looked at 43 cases of clinical lycanthropy or kynanthropy, which is where you think you're a dog instead of a wolf. Reported between eighteen or nineteen fifty two and twenty twenty.
1: Is that kind of like furries?
0: Kind of like furries, I think. I mean, Except they're cats, though, right? They're. They could, I guess they could be any furry animal. Oh, any animal. Okay. Any I, I animal? didn't know
1: what for sure they were, but <laughs> I've seen videos I, online. It's weird.
0: I uh, see. That's the thing. Like, I don't know if some of that's just play, which I'm assuming most of it is. I would hope so. But. This is the actual disorder we're talking about. Like this is what's funny about it. Like uh they studied 43 actual cases during this time and kinanthropy is related condition when people think they have become dogs. Clinical lycanthropy I- and kinanthropy are forms of z- zoanthropy, which is when a person thinks they're any kind of animal.
1: Oh, grandpa pissed on the
0: floor again. <laughs> Put him out back. <laughs> So so you can have you can have people believing that they're anything, apparently. Now, make fun of them all you want. Researchers say that the clinical cases can happen during a younger person's first psychiatric episode, or in those chronic psychosis that people have when they have mental disorders. But not all cases are linked to mental health disorders. Some who've experienced it had epileptic seizures. While others took hallucinogenic drugs or drank extreme amounts of alcohol. Now, have you ever been to a party where somebody drank so much alcohol they started howling at the moon? Oh, just he, took
1: off. Ian Torrance. That boy. <laughs> now, you get enough in him and he starts howling and scratching his ears and
0: We had a we had a friend in high school. He wasn't a friend, he was just kind of this guy we knew. He was older than us. And we were at a party one time in high school. Not recommended parties. For people in high school, if you're listening out there, young kids. But anyway, I was at a party in high school. And this kid was on something. Like, I, don't <laughs> know, I don't know what he was on. Like, I'm assuming maybe shrooms. Might have dropped acid. I don't know what he was doing. It was not just drinking. Um, he literally ripped off his clothes. Howled loudly. And <laughs> ran through the woods. He came back about four hours later. The party was pretty much almost <laughs> over cuts all over him he had like stickers in him like thorns thorns like like the little burr stickers right and like all over him like he looked like he'd been through it and it was still like acting weird so it had to have been some kind of break in his mind through the drugs he was doing i'm assuming Ooh. i don't know what he was doing i've i i do not do drugs so i don't know what kind of drugs would do that to you was it a full moon that I, night? I don't remember i just <laughs> remember the dude, like a werewolf he was acting weird but yeah like a lot of this stuff it, it seems like some of the some of the clinical cases are showing that it could be a psychological break in some of these people in that same study the researchers looked in the cases of clinical lycanthropy reported in the u.s and western europe turkey iran and india they found it can affect people anywhere in the world They also found that how you perceive wolves or animals can play a role in whether you develop it. So if you already have that in your mind, as them being like pack animals and vicious and stuff like that, and you have that in your mind and you have a psychotic break or take some extreme drug, you can, can basically take off and act crazy. Now, here's where we're going to talk about some actual cases throughout history of it. During a werewolf scare... I love that that's a thing. You hear the werewolf barking in the outside. During the werewolf scare of 1715 through 1720, an unusual number of cattle and deer were killed by wolves in the Moosham district in, I'm assuming Scotland. I didn't write it down, but it's somewhere in the British Isles. Okay. We'll just say. Somebody, if you know what the Musham district is... uh put that on social media and nobody cares so let's just move on when our one <laughs> listener from our Mouchong. one listener well Mouchong, I never. when attempts to hunt them down failed local folks concluded that the present predators had to be supernatural so you got inept hunters that can't kill the wolves so they're gonna like, say, what, supernatural
1: well what, yeah, what was it that made them come to that conclusion
0: they're <laughs> they're lame-ass hunters and can't get their prey so it has to be not well, our hunting skills. It's got to be somebody's turning into a werewolf.
1: I can't find these wolves. They got to be part man. <laughs> it's so dumb.
0: But anyway, so they had to be supernatural as a result. Two adolescent beggars in the town were tortured in a chamber of the Musham can-
1: Castle. They always got to find like the poorest, sad sack people <laughs> and just be like, "It's him. I know it's him." Which burn Witch. him. <laughs> Tie him up. They soon confessed.
0: That they had indeed had an unguent on their bodies. I had to look this word up. Unduent? Uh, unguent. Unguent. Unj or G U E N T. It's basically a greasy ointment. Oh, okay. Uh, on their bodies to transform themselves into wolves. So that's one of the beliefs back then that you can make a salve or some kind of herbal medicine with witchery and sorcery and put it on your body and it'll make you grow hair and turn into these animals.
1: It's like that flea and tick stuff you put on the back of (laughs) it.
0: Yeah. Uh, this mom always told me if I use too much lotion, I'd go blind or (laughs) grow hair on my (laughs) pumps. They escaped execution by being sentenced to lifelong servitude of Venetian galley slave slavery. So I'm assuming they, you know, had to row boats and stuff like that in the, in the Navy Hmm. ships. Um, that was seventeen fifteen.
1: So that is some two hundred. That hundred sounds like a weird. Years. That sounds like a weird like way to just be like, boy, we really need some people to help with these boats here. Let's <laughs> yeah. Let's accuse them of being werewolves, and we'll threaten to kill them unless they <laughs> be our slaves for
0: life. It's just sad. Uh, okay, so I'm going to specifically. That's just one instance, but I'm going to specifically talk about. Three different ones here in a row that are actual people and real trials. Okay. Okay. Gelelis Garnier. Gelelis, something like that. One of the most famous cases was that of Gelelelis Garnier from Dole, France in 1573. So we're talking 200 years earlier than those two poor saps. No one understood why several young children started disappearing in 1573 until. Garnier and his wife were arrested and tried as werewolves. So nobody understood it. Now, here's the thing: we all know that people in the 1700s did not keep really good records and court records, right? And Correct. You work for the court. Uh, the records are probably a lot better now than they are back then. We do okay. You do okay, um, but it doesn't. It doesn't talk about how they even came up with the idea of how him and his wife were werewolves. So once again, it's almost like, oh, goody Proctor. You know, hey, I see her doing some witchery in the woods over there. Let's accuse them. And then they get everybody to start pointing fingers, and there you have it.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's not, like, coincidence either. Like, not keeping records of that stuff. Yeah. I feel like they all probably know what's bullshit, but they're just looking for reasons to... Like well, maybe there's another reason this Galilei guy drew attention and they wanted to, yeah, lock him up or do something to him, and they were just like werewolf.
0: And I mean, the one thing that blows my mind is like, it always goes into this after people come up missing or they can't explain something, and that's very pre- prescient for today. Mm -hmm. like if you can't explain something or something doesn't agree with you, the first thing you do is try to accuse somebody else. Mm -hmm. Social media is the worst about it. You know, let's come up with conspiracy conspiracy theory, bullshit and try to point blame where it shouldn't be because we think, you know, if our life sucks, it's got to suck for a reason. Right. Right. It can't just be something naturally bad happening. Somebody's got to be, to be the blame. So, um, So, him and his wife were arrested, tried as werewolves. He confessed that he had killed a 12-year-old boy and was going to consume his flesh, was interrupted before doing so, although he was in human form. uh, Some of the citizens claimed that he appeared as a wolf uh, while he was doing the confession. Now, there weren't camera phones back then.
1: What about the like the guy that draws the courtroom? Did they yeah. have those way back then?
0: Yeah, I mean they had them in the Flintstones. They, you know, the, <laughs> the little chisel. woodpecker, and everything. The chisel. I mean, surely, surely somebody could have like said, "Hey, this is bullshit." But I mean, like, just
1: s- gets finished drawing the guy. And he looks up. It's like, that wolf come from? He's like, "I had to race real quick."
0: <laughs> Damn, I've gotta draw faster. So. Uh, <laughs> In his confession, he claimed to have killed a 10-year-old girl as well while being in the shape of a wolf, using his teeth and claws to devour her. He also claimed to have attacked a girl, but then was again interrupted. Several days later, he strangled a 10-year-old boy, ripping his leg off and eating his flesh. In both in, or all instances, he claimed that he was in the form of the wolf. After all his confessions, he was then burned alive on January 18, 1574. Now, from all accounts I read, it doesn't go into great detail on the torture for this confession. But there was torture involved in this confession.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So once again.
1: Well, I was just trying to connect the dots in my mind. Like they accuse him of being a werewolf. No explanation as to why. Right? Why yeah. they think this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he starts admitting to being a werewolf in the trial or at some point leading up to it. It's just like. Yeah. Obviously, so, they put the idea in his mind or they tortured him or did something like he's not just gonna yeah say he was a, like even if he killed these kids, like why would it be werewolf? Why wouldn't you yeah. just like charge him with murder and cannibalism or something
0: and see that's the thing some of these some of these trials. Go straight to superstition as opposed to deductive reasoning, yeah, which would say exactly what you said. More than likely, if he killed these kids, he was a serial killer or Who pet- just ate people, a pederast, yeah, you know, and maybe he knew that a few kids got killed by wolf, so he tried to cover up the crimes by ripping them apart, yeah, you know. I mean, it It makes more sense to look at him as a serial killer, or a serial, uh, you know, child rapist, murderer. Type guy you know back then they probably didn't even check to see if they'd been raped or anything they just oh it's a bloody body suck blue <laughs> that's his french guy
1: we're still in france right
0: yep we're still in france now we're gonna move on uh peter stump <laughs> not he ain't french not no donald way. trump peter stump. peter stump did you know do you know what donald trump's real name is his real family name I've,
1: I've heard it I can't think of it right now Drumpf that's right
0: Drumpf yep just so you know all you people out there that love, love Donald Drumpf. Trump Drumpf Stumpf's name is also called Peter Stubby
1: Peter Stubb Peter Stubby Peter Stube or Peter Stumpf Stube Stumpf he just drew a bad hand no matter what like all those <laughs> names suck <laughs> and other he tried na- to spice it up with Stube <laughs> no,
0: here's, here's where he gets funny that, that was funny, but this is funnier. And other aliases include such names as Abel Griswold, a <laughs> Bill Griswold,
1: and Yubel Griswold.
0: What I the mean, fuck? How do you go from Peter <laughs>
1: Stump to Abel Griswold? I'd take Griswold over Stump. I think but I yeah, would. Either either would. way, this is not this is not good. Sorry, folks. <laughs> yeah, I like the Griswolds.
0: The name Stump or Stumpf may have been given. To him as a reference to the fact that he'd lost his left hand when it was cut off, leaving only a stump in German Stumpf. Hey, yo, Stumpy. It was alleged that... That's not my name. (laughs) (laughs) It was alleged that as the werewolf, quote unquote, it had its left four paw cut off then the same injury proved the guilt of the man oh. so that was legend so people think he might have got caught in a bear trap or something and pulled out pulled out his paw <laughs> his stump and then the paw changed back into a human hand yes so um stump was born at the village of epirath near the county or country town of bedburg in the electorate of cologne germany His actual date of birth is not known as the local church registers were destroyed during the Thirty Years' War. Stumpf was likely a Protestant. So that's important here. Why would that be important, Trent, that he's a Protestant Mm. in Germany in the 1500s and 1600s? Because they were Catholic. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're you're deep in thought. Do you like how I sold that with the... Oh, oh. of course, yes. (laughs) He was a wealthy farmer, supposedly, of his rural community. During the 1580s, he seems to have been a widower with two children, a girl who seems to be older than 15 and a son of an unknown age but younger. During 1589, Stumpf had one of his most lurid and famous werewolf trials in the history of the world. After being stretched on a rack, and before further torture commenced, he confessed to having practiced black magic since he was twelve years old. Now, once again, how do you stretch him on a rack if he doesn't? If
1: he's just got the stump, I don't know. you just have the one hand going up. Maybe they did like look like Air Jordan logo, like a leather
0: cuff, like near his elbow. Maybe Air Jordan got the one hand up and the two yeah, feet up. Yeah, I don't know. Up. I don't know. It doesn't explain what they caught onto, but. It, You know, they were pretty good at torture, so I'm sure they found a way. Uh, He confessed to having practiced black magic since he was 12. He claimed that the devil had given him a magical belt. Now, maybe it was a nipple belt. Maybe that's what we've been (laughs) talking about all along, bringing it back. Uh, Or girdle. It's it's Basically, it could be a girdle. It's like something that went around his waist, which enabled him to metamorphose into the like. Is
1: that a word? Metamorphose? Is that how you say it? I would think metamorph or just morph.
0: I'm reading this from the uh, documents that they they found a pamphlet, basically of 16 pages that documented this trial, supposedly
1: metamorphosize. I don't know.
0: So anyway, uh, into the quote, the likeness of a greedy devouring wolf, strong and mighty with eyes, great and large, which in the night sparkled like fire, a mouth great and wide with most sharp teeth and cruel teeth. A huge body and mighty paws. That was his quote from the trial, supposedly. Removing the belt, he said, made him transform back to his human form. After his capture, he told the local magistrate he had left the girdle in a certain valley. The magistrate sent for it to be retrieved, but they could never find the belt. and It's never been felt, found in history. Obviously, it was probably a made-up bullshit story, because he was one of those people that got coerced into a confession. was trying to get out of it by saying what they wanted to hear which was you're in league with the devil and -hmm. you're a wolf tearing people apart for 25 years Stump had allegedly been an insatiable bloodsucker who gorged on the flesh of goats lambs and sheep as well as men women and children being treated with torture he confessed to the killing and eating of 14 children two pregnant women who's kind of gross here whose fetuses, he ripped from their wombs and ate their heart, panting hot and raw. Unquote. Ugh. Which he later described as quote, dainty morsels. <laughs> I hate to laugh at that, but... Fetus there, hearts. They were dainty morsels.
1: Like M&M's. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's so weird. You're like yeah, like M&M. little M&M. bitty snacks. One of the
0: 14 children was his own son. Uh, apparently, whose brain he was reported to have devoured. Stump loved his son dearly, but in the end, his blood bloodlust could not be overconquered. Allegedly, he went out with his son into the woods, transformed into the likeness of a wolf, and then devoured him. Not only was Stump accused of being a serial murderer and cannibal but also of having an incestuous relationship with his daughter. Oh, come on. Who then was sentenced to die with him. And that he had coupled with a distant relative, which was also considered to be incestuous according to law. In addition to this, he confessed to having had intercourse with a succubus (laughs) sent to him by the devil. The execution of Stump on October 31st. Fifteen eighty nine, which was not Halloween at the time. You remember that was uh Sam 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 Hane or Sam Wayne or have you said it? The, the the festival of harvest or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like basically what Halloween came into. Anyway, fifteen eighty nine, alongside of his daughter Sybil or Bill, and his mistress Catherine. Is one of the most brutal on record. Hmm. Are you ready to hear what they did to him? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. He was put to a wheel. So they fashioned him to a wheel. They took red hot pincers, which are these metal, like look like metal scissor hooks. You seen mm-hmm. those? Yes, yes, yes. So yes. they took them and they grabbed his flesh and peeled his flesh from his body on his arms and legs oh, and did Ten separate places. Then when his limbs were uh, splayed out with the with the pincers, they took the blunt side of an axe and broke each one of his arms on both sides of his elbow.
1: His raw exposed. Raw exposed meat with arms. the blunt
0: side. So that means they're just crushing down with an axe handle till his arms break. Then they did that to his femur and his Tibia and fibula, or whatever the leg bones are, broke those. So broke every one of his limbs, for fear when they finally killed him that he wouldn't come back from the grave. That was their that was their reasoning. Uh, before that or after that, he was then beheaded with the axe, and then his body was burned on a pyre. His daughter and mistress had always been or also been flayed and strangled. And were burned alongside his body, Gosh. as a warning against similar behavior. Local authorities erected a pole, with the torture wheel at the figure of a, and the figure of a wolf upon it, and at the very top they placed Peter Stump's severed head for months.
1: Let <laughs> this be a warning to you all. That's I mean, uh, that's pretty gnarly.
0: That's. I mean, you could have got twenty years in the stocks or something. I mean, come on.
1: Or you know just. Behead him first. I, mean, I guess they didn't want to give him the the, quick, the easy way out, I guess. but
0: I guess that's a warning to be uh, good Catholics. Hmm. It all comes back to the, he was a Protestant in a Catholic region. Um, and he might have been, he said he was a wealthy farmer. Like halfway through it,
1: oh, he's a wolf too? Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> and then, like, another thing though is like, even though they tortured him we'll never know maybe this guy was a serial killer mm-hmm. maybe he was another serial killer they i mean they just don't use deductive reasoning back then
1: no doesn't seem like it takes much
0: and here's what blows my fucking mind this shit happened all over europe this shit ha same type of shit happened in asia mm-hmm. this shit happened in america South America, it happened on pretty much every continent where large populations of people and kids would go missing or farm animals would go missing or, you know, whatever. They, They didn't really need any of that to blame people for stuff. Throughout history, we have a lot of people being blamed for shit that we'll, you know, never know if any of it's true or not because they don't use deductive reasoning. Now, once again, I'm comparing that to modern day society where we tend to do this still without any kind of deductive reasoning, you're going to more likely start pointing fingers at things you don't understand or things that you don't want to understand.
1: Well, I feel like we've brought it up many, many times on this show too, where it's just like, especially when we talk about older historical stuff like this, they always want to blame somebody. Yeah. They always want to get it done quickly, but even on some of the like, True crime serial killer episodes we've done. It's always about kind of finding someone fast to kind of get that justice and closure, yeah. even if it's not the right person. So yeah, I mean,
0: and you know, I was thinking about this the other day because it was just an, you know, in the the news is all about like crazy trials and and people getting accused of stuff and and the insurrection and you know just conspiracy theories. But I started thinking about like the gun control stuff, you know. Once again, I'm a gun owner, you know, but I do think we need sensible laws. I don't think certain things should be allowed. And I think we need to at least look at it and evaluate it, but we're not even coming to an impasse with each other to look at it, you know. Um, but the thing I started thinking about was people look at our constitution as the be all end all. Our forefathers supposedly wrote that constitution to be something that was a living breathing document that can be changed by smarter men cuz they're not going to see everything coming and we as people now a lot of times look at it as like oh they were the smartest people in the world <laughs> they were these motherfuckers were still looking at like people as witches and werewolves yeah. and were we're doing crazy crazy stuff and they I wore powdered I mean, wigs for Grand out loud. You look, I've, I've read some stuff that Ben Franklin has written and he's a, he's a national hero. That dude had some weird effing ideas about a lot of different things
1: mm-hmm.
0: and was deceitful. That dude was very deceitful. And it's like, we act like those people knew exactly what our country was going to be and should be. And that was the be all end all. And that's what our document's supposed to be. But in reality, they just gave us a base, and we need to be willing to look at it with deductive
1: reasoning. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? You can't rely on a, what, 200, 300-year-old document just to carry your country through all of time? A thousand years later? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy.
0: But we do. I mean, it's crazy to think about, but there's a lot of people that are like, you know, this is the way it goes. What our
1: country was built on. Like, yeah, true. But yeah, use your brain.
0: Use your brain. Uh, but yeah, this is it's it's amazing. And then going back to the different Native American things, you know, like the shape shifting and stuff. I mean, that's just. Uh, I don't think they were all about like trying to kill people in their tribe. They just realized that it could be like a trickster. So they were looking at it almost like the devil or something that would trick you into. You know, doing bad things or taking people or your children from your tribes. And maybe those are kind of ghost stories for kids. But at the same yeah. time, a lot of Native Americans believe that stuff. Uh, but let's get to some more recent stuff.
1: Okay. Let's do it.
0: We're just going to do one.
1: We're going to do one.
0: We're going to do one. I've got I've got a few of them on here. But, like, we're going to do this main one because I think this is interesting. Austin Haroof. Have you heard of this dude? No. 2016? You know. Never heard of Austin so. Roof. So, Austin Roof was uh, a young kid. He was in his 20s, early 20s. Um, he had a diagnosis made by the forensic psychiatrist Dr. Philip Resnick in a 38-page mental health assessment, and he was charged with the murder of John Stevens the third 59, and his wife, Michelle Michonne, 53, at their home in Martin County on August 15th, 2016. We're talking Florida, South Florida.
1: Oh, well, there Florida you go, man. right there. You <laughs> say no man. more. It's Florida.
0: When sheriff's deputies arrived on scene, they reported discovering Haruf, who was then 19 years old, lying on top of Stevens, growling and chewing off his face. Boy, Substant- this does sound familiar now that you Subsequently, Resnick concluded that Haruf exhibited signs of clinical lycanthropy, delusions, and severe mental disease. Now,
1: I remember the face eating in Florida. I didn't realize there was like a werewolf connection so, to it. I guess
0: so. There was a, a zombie bath salts face eating. This this uh, guy, yeah, I remember that. Freaked out and ate a homeless guy's face off,
1: mm-hmm.
0: caused by bath salts. This was caused by psychosis. Apparently, this kid was exhibiting some really weird behavior, but he also was saying stuff on social media like he wanted to be really famous, and he wanted to do something that made him really famous. Mm -hmm. And he literally got up from a restaurant that he was eating at with his dad and sister or something, I don't know. Got up, walked out, they didn't see him for a while, he went walking around, ended up stabbing these two people because he saw them getting in their car or in their garage or they were in the garage, like just sitting, mm-hmm. and just enjoying the evening. And I will imagine some nineteen-year-old nut job just runs up to you in your garage, starts stabbing you, and we're and when you're garage. trying to protect them, uh, protect your wife, um, he starts stabbing you, and then he eats your face off. And
1: after just eating dinner, too. Yeah. Like, how,
0: and they said when they were like, when the cops were got there. He was still on top of the guy. They went around the corner, and I actually saw like a FBI files type thing on ID network about this. They came around the the corner, and all they could hear was the growling and grunting. and they, they went around the uh, side of the, it was like a truck or something, and they saw him like eating the guy's face, and they knocked him off and pull, tried to pull him back, and he jumped back on the guy. He was like just fearily eating this dude's face. That's right that. And then another thing about that, that's fucking white privilege if I've ever seen one that motherfucker would have been shot if he had any brown tone to his skin, true, I mean, why they didn't shoot him right then because he jumped back on the guy, I would have put a bullet in his head,
1: so he killed them first and then started eating the face right yeah I mean, he was
0: stabbing he stabbed him multiple times, but I think just the blood loss killed him. Okay. I don't know if they were still alive when they were, he was eating the man's face, but God, I hope
1: not, that'd be horrible. <sighs>
0: It's, just, it's sickening to think about, but it's also sickening to think that apparently he might get out of this because they're deeming it a mental disorder. So this dude might do some time in a mental hospital and then get out, and he'll be scot-free to yeah. go eat somebody else. I mean, that's that's really fucked up.
1: And the wise words of our co-host, Ian Wells, that's messed up. <laughs>
0: Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Not you, Ian Wells. We love you, buddy. All right, so those are my stories I have about lycanthropy. Now let's talk about the movies based on lycanthropy. So we have Werewolf of London, 1935. Have you ever heard of that? Werewolves of London. Yes. This uh, was uh, considered a lost movie for a while, but it was one of the first movies that featured... And the reason I'm going to bring this up is because I'm going to bring up the other two movies we're talking about. Uh, Jack Pierce. Have you ever heard of Jack Pierce? No. Jack Pierce is considered one of the icons of early makeup. Um, We have Lon Chaney, who did uh, London After Midnight and uh, the original... Phantom of the Opera and the original uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And he did all of his own makeup effects. They called him the Man of a Thousand Faces, right? So he's a he's a FX icon. Okay. Jack Pierce is considered an FX icon because he did Werewolf of London. He did the original Frankenstein. Uh, so some of these type movies he was actually involved with. Um, the next movie we're going to talk about is the wolfman 1941 this is one of the original uh universal Monsters series that actually saved universal because at the time if you didn't know and you've never heard me talk about it before universal was considered one of the little three they had the big five and then the little three uh movie theater or movie studios in hollywood mm-hmm. and it was one of the little three so it was like not real big at the time it was about to go bust and then they they put out Dracula, and then they put out Frankenstein, then they put out Wolfman, then they put out Creature from the Black Lagoon. All of a sudden, they were one of the biggest studios, right? So, the 1941 had the uh, Lon Chaney Jr. as Larry Talbot, and Claude Rains played his father, and it kind of goes the classic werewolf story to where the gypsies warn him that something bad's going to happen. And then he gets bit by a werewolf and it has the kind of creepy Moors scenes with the fog and stuff coming mm-hmm. coming through and the, the gypsies uh, encampment that night. And after he gets bit, he turns into a werewolf. And that transformation scene was one of the big, you know, FX, quote unquote, FX scenes in film history to where they did the kind of watery dissolve. You know what I'm talking about? yeah you ever seen that mm-hmm. so so where the hair was growing patchy on his face and started growing out and everything, so they did that watery dissolve between you know each patch of hair right uh looks hokey today, but at the time, but at the time, absolutely I
1: mean, it's eighty years ago,
0: yeah, absolutely. it was like cutting edge technology um so that that character of the wolf man just like. Uh, so you had the Wolfman Dracula was in thirty one Frankenstein thirty two this is forty one so you're talking about those three universal monsters plus the mummy mm-hmm. I guess would be another big one um, they they saved the that studio and kind of bolstered the idea that horror could be franchised yeah, because you started getting Wolfman meets the mummy. All the sequels Dragular versus and everything. <laughs> yeah. They had like even like uh Abbott and Costello movies, Meet Frankenstein I've heard, yeah, all that shit. I've heard of those. So so, you know, they had spoofs and lampooning of the uh franchise right away. So these these movies showed that franchises could be a big thing. So I, I wanna give props to that because that's part of our horror history and we here oh, yeah. at the horror you know want to talk about history, right?
1: Horror and franchise, I mean, go hand in hand.
0: Exactly. And then we had, uh, remember we talked about uh, how the 50s, like after, after World War II, like the, the 40s, and one episode, I don't remember what we were talking about, but after the late 40s and World War II was over, all the baby boomers started getting born, mm-hmm. and uh, in the 50s they needed places to put these teens, which now had exposable income. Exposable. Disposable. All right. Disposable, disposable income. income. Yeah. There you go. You want to dispose it. Yeah. You want to dispose it. Disposable income. So they, they, they started making bowling alleys and drive in, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, McDonald's got big in the 50s and stuff as a franchise originally. So all this stuff started and the drive in theater got really, really big. So they started putting out these movies uh, for teens and about teens, right? Rebel Without a Cause, all that kind of stuff. And one of the best cheesiest movies that actually started uh Michael Landon it, who was Paul on <laughs>
1: Little House on the Prairie. Yeah.
0: And he was also uh on the Ponderosa. What was that show called? Bonanza.
1: Bonanza, yeah. He My was Grandpa little, watched that. little
0: Little Joe on Bonanza. So it started his career, right? He was a pretty influential guy. But it was called I Was a Teenage Werewolf. And it was basically about this guy that took this serum from a science teacher in high school and it turned him into a werewolf and uh I don't, I don't remember any science teachers turning us into anything but no. who's your science teacher in high school? Mr. Mr. Waller. Mr. Waller? What's
1: up with that? Mr. Waller. What's up Mr. Bala? You turned me into nothing. Mickey,
0: yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh so then we go on to the 70s and 80s Um we had two big ones back to back which is what we're mainly talking about the American, An American Werewolf in London and The Howling both mm-hmm. came out in 1981. So Which is awesome. Let's me. discuss
1: those. Yeah, I was talking to you before we started recording about how I think it's awesome they both came out in 81. It seems like even today you still have movies that come out that are very similar to each other. Like one will release and a couple months later you'll see like a carbon copy like deep impact and armageddon and then there was that like white house down and what was the other one called can't remember gerard butler anyway fall of olympus or something yeah something like that anyway they always have like two movies that come out that are very similar in a year and one's really good and one's really crappy seems like yeah but i thought these were both awesome movies personally i would agree so kudos to the teams behind those movies. You know,
0: you know why that happens, don't you? I the studios
1: the competing with each other
0: a little they're, bit. Well, they're competing with each other, but it's weird that they come out within months. So what it is is like one of the uh, one of the first ones that should be made gets a script mm-hmm. and it gets shopped around, right? And people read it, and then. Once people see a studio takes it up and is green lighting it and who they attach to it, and they then fast they fast-track their,
1: fast their own. Yep, That's what happens every time, really. There's a bunch of – I can only think of the two, but there's a bunch of examples.
0: Yeah. So American Werewolf in London, that is John Landis, and that's quite possibly the biggest shocker of this probably for the people of that generation when this came out. Now, this came out in 81. I was eight years old. Okay, so I don't I don't know anything about John Landis pre, right, American. I didn't even know about him then when I watched the movie because I actually saw this in theaters. I saw this the At year eight it years came out, old. eight years wow. old. My uh, little shout out, uh, Scott Collins, a friend of mine from high school. Uh, his dad took us. We were trick or treating, right? Okay, and they were showing this. It would have been eighty two or eighty three. So this is like a couple years after it came out. But we were trick or treating, and he was like go to pick us up, and I was going to stay out night with him, and he was like, yeah, let's go see a scary movie. He took us to Ross Theater, which I don't know what it was called back then, Scott County Theater or something like that, Scottsburg, Indiana, on the square, and we watched American Werewolf in London, and that movie pretty much blew my mind. Like, I saw that, and I think I saw like Friday the 13th, 1 and 2, in the same year. <laughs> so it had to have been like 81 to 2, you know? Right. So... Uh yeah those those movies just blew my mind but I think the uh John Landis connection is weird because he was a comedy guy before this right
1: Animal House
0: Kentucky Fried Movie like uh, Blues Brothers Blues Brothers so those were his big hits before right. this right and people didn't know what to think of it because they were like is it a comedy is it a horror? Is it a horror with comedy? Is it a comedy with horror? And he was like, it's absolutely a horror. Mm-hmm. And he says that to this day. It was a horror that had comedic timing, comedic elements. Mm-hmm. But it's not a comedy at all. And if you watch the movie, I don't think it's a comedy, but it is funny as fuck. No, <laughs> right? I, wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't straight up call it a comedy, but it definitely, yeah, it definitely had some lightheartedness
0: to it. Oh, big time, big time. I mean, there's plenty of examples that they wrote into the script. You could tell they were trying to pull laughs. Yeah. But uh, another thing about this movie is how it came about. Do you, got, do you know the history of how he got his idea?
1: No, sir. Let's hear it.
0: All right. This is a little horror you know exclusive. It's not an exclusive. This has been on their DVD extras and shit. I'm
1: say, I'm a casual. I'm sure most <laughs> listeners probably already know this.
0: <laughs> they but. might not. So John Landis was like a, a grip or something. I don't, I don't know exactly what he was, but he was on uh, Kelly's Heroes. And if you know that, that's got like Telly Savalas and Clint Eastwood, like a bunch of big uh, Hollywood actors in the 60s. And it's a war picture. And they were in Yugoslavia. And apparently there there was this really long road from one town to another, like 14 miles or something, just through sheep pasture and just all kinds of shit. And they they were driving down it. And they come across this like weird looking scene on a crossroad, mm-hmm. and they were all these people were like doing this really weird burial, and they were gypsies and they were doing this really weird burial at the crossroads on the side of the road of a person that had died and they he were he, they sp-
1: summoning a crossroads demon by chance <laughs> well
0: apparently it had something to do with the crossroads, but he they had to bury him feet down so it was like he was buried straight down into the ground instead of flat like a traditional burial which i guess they do in japan and south korea and stuff all the time too
1: i guess you could fit more bodies in the ground that's that's the reason yeah digging a lot more
0: but the reason they were doing that is to to keep him down in the ground for some reason they were locking him down in there and he asked them why and they said uh this guy that was working on the film that was from that region started laughing. He was like, "They're superstitious. These gypsies think that he's going to turn into a zombie and come back and kill them." So they did it as superstition, and he thought it. it that guy apparently just started was cracking up, just laughing right in their faces while they were going by, like mm-hmm. explaining this. And John Landis was just a young guy, but he just thought it was fascinating. He thought it was funny at first, but then he thought it was fascinating. He started thinking to himself, what if this guy really came back? And the reality of it, and mm-hmm. what what the F would happen when we, what where would our minds go when we realized that's happening? That really happened, right? Mm-hmm. So when he started writing the script, he didn't have werewolf in mind. He was looking for different ways to show either vampirism uh, zombieism, or, you know, something like that, but he didn't necessarily have werewolf in mind. And then he came about the werewolf because he, like, just started thinking about the universal monsters and, and its influence on him. And, like, as he wrote the script, it took him years to get this script completed, right? Mm-hmm. And then once he got it completed, he tried to shop it around, but he'd done other movies. He wrote that, started writing that script at 19 or 20 years old. Like he was okay. pretty young. And years later, in the 80s, so that was in the 60s. Years later, in the 80s, he finally got it greenlit in the current form it was in. Because people, as it grew, people didn't want to touch it. And it's kind of like that Guillermo del Toro, you know, like, this is my movie I want to make, so I make other movies to make this movie. Right. This is kind of that movie to him. It's like something he'd thought of for years and wanted to make this, and people were shocked because it wasn't his typical comedy satire on politics and American life, you know? So it's it's interesting how he threw a lot of that satire in, though, but, like, he put it in there... uh, showing the differences between Americans and British and how their kind of stuck-up ways are. You know, it was like their prim and proper ways and how the Americans are more loosey-goosey and, like, all the scenes that he had in there is just, like, things that he grew up in that region. He's like, there's no other place in in the world I would want to make this movie. He made it right there in in that, you know, same type of... It wasn't Yugoslavia, but, like, that same type of place, Mm
1: -hmm. you know? The Moors.
0: The Moors. Um, and then we have the uh, the really cool thing about that movie is, is the transformation scene. Everybody oh, yeah. talks about that the most. And that was done by, you know the guy?
1: I was just reading about this today. Is it Button? No. He did the other one, didn't he? He did the other one. Okay. It was whoever he worked with then. Because I read that they like were both, I don't think they were like partners, but I think one was the assistant to one. And when he went to do American Werewolf, was it yes. Rob Botten? He went to go do the howling Rob Botin. his name. <laughs> Excuse Boteen
0: me. and Rick Baker.
1: Baker, okay. Yes.
0: so So there's four people from my childhood that I thought were awesome. And it wasn't directors, it wasn't actors. I thought the special effects artists were the coolest because I got Fangoria magazine back in the early days, in the early 80s. And every time I saw that kind of visceral stuff on page Uh before I even saw the movie, or if I saw the movie, you got to remember back then you had to rent the movie over and over again to watch it because it was just too expensive to buy VHS tapes. They were like 80 bucks a tape back then, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not even joking. It was like 70, 80 bucks to buy VHS tape of a movie until like the late 80s when they started getting like 20 bucks.
1: Just rent it and never take it back. I mean, that's, come that's, on. <laughs>
0: well, then they would charge you like 80 bucks. Um, but like I looked up to like Tom Savini. Right. He was one of the main ones. I, I looked up to Rick Baker, Stan Winston, and Rob Bateen. Those are my four guys. If, I would, if there's a Mount Rushmore of special effects artists, I'd put those dudes probably up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you might insert one or two other people in there, but like I would say those four are the ones that are most memorable to me. And this guy, like you said, was hired on to do this movie, and he's good friends with John Landis, and they talked about these scenes for years and how they were going to do them. Mm-hmm. And he was coming up with some of the ideas, not John Landis on what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I want you to try to do this. How are we going to do that? You know, it just went back and forth. Well, then it languished so long that when the howling was going to go in production, they still didn't have the money yet or something, something happened. They had to stop production for a while in American werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. So then Rick Baker was going to work on the howling and, Landis found out about it and came up to him He said, "You can't fucking use my <laughs> our shit that we've been talking about on this other movie." And he was like, "Oh, well, yeah, well, you know, I got a I got an apprentice or somebody's been working with me. He's pretty young though, but I think I can get him uh, to do some of the stuff on on the howling which was Rob Bettine. They're very so he,
1: similar, so you could tell the He actually worked with him. Yeah.
0: And uh, I think they probably had the better transformation stuff in this. But it's still really, really cool. The Howling has some really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know which one I would say was better because, I mean, they are very similar because obviously they were using probably the same techniques. Yeah, Yeah.
0: the bladder effects and the, uh, but uh, where you put like a balloon under the skin, the latex and blow it up to make it look like it's bubbling. I
1: feel like, yeah, that was cool. I feel like the the American Werewolf transformation was a little smoother, and that could have been more with the editing too. Like the howling transformation seemed to take forever, but it was cool. Yeah, but it literally took a long time for the transformation to to be done. Yeah. So I th-
0: I think what was cool about the howling was when the claws came out of the hands. Yeah. Th- that was thing, awesome. Yeah, yep. Yep. I think uh, the ears and the face looked scarier. It, like looked more like.
1: Werewolfy because well, it was say, on all the, fours. The overall design I like better in the howling because it did look a more like a werewolf in my mind. Yes. Like American less, werewolf less was scary, but it looked more just like kind of a dog um, or a wolf, yeah. a regular wolf. And that was that was Landis.
0: John Landis did not want him to be standing. So that's the difference. See, I like my wolves bipedal. Rick- I like them on two feet. <laughs> I'm sure you
1: do. You know Rick- what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, uh, so that was John Landis. He he wanted them to look more like a wolf, and Rick Baker wanted it to look bipedal like the original movie. So they, they kind of went back and forth, apparently, and then it ended up more bipedal in
1: The I mean, the it sets howling. them apart, I guess, but I just feel like a werewolf isn't as threatening when it just is on all fours and looks like a wolf. I mean, it was still scary. I'm not trying to say it wasn't, but if you got a huge hulking wolf on two feet that's yeah. chasing after you, that's a lot scarier in my mind.
0: See, I, I find them both scary. Like if you look at the end scene in the Piccadilly circus where the wolf's snapping at people, yeah. That is scarier to me than anything in
1: I mean on, a the wolf howling, on all floors is gonna be quicker for sure. Just because its face
0: looked it, it looked like it was its haunches and everything, it looked big. It was a massive it was very swole.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And
0: then, like, the one in the howling was more gaunt and skinny, but it depended on the person that changed into it. The only thing I would take out of the howling is the, uh, (laughs) you know what scene I'm talking about? The, uh, the fireside. Bestiality fireside scene (laughs) and the transformation to where they use that old Disney, like, cartoonish effect. That was horrible. It's very
1: jarring, for sure. Compared
0: to everything else in the movie, that was horrible.
1: It does seem like it's like they wanted to have an extra tra- or it's like they didn't want to reveal the cool effects yet, but they wanted to show you that he was transforming. So it's yeah. just like a cheap way to kind of like show it without actually spoiling the cool effects. For See, later. I think they could
0: have like used a real like.
1: They could have done something with a silhouette similar yeah. type of idea with without, lighting and, yeah. and stuff they could have
0: could have made a real wolf stand up and did the lighting to where you couldn't see it yeah but yeah that was that was a cop out like but
1: it's j- memorable i was watching it again mem- the other day and i was like i totally forgot about this little animated part oh it's horrible like that sex the, scene was cool that's my <laughs> only knock on it
0: i i did like the sex scene the characters were a little goofy um i do like The fact that it was a community of wolves, and I do like that it was kind of a satire about self-healing communal groups. I don't know if you got that message from it, but like the main guy that walked with the cane, he was trying to keep them from releasing the beast in them, Mm -hmm. and the rest of them were having none of it. They were like, this is enough. We can't do this anymore kind of thing. Like He was trying to keep them safe. It was almost like a precursor to that shitty movie Twilight you know where they're trying to be safe and and communal yeah without showing themselves but like he was trying that but they're like fuck it man we're like
1: we're, we're fucking the werewolves we are we're to werewolves.
0: yeah uh i did like uh the creepy scene at the beginning and the sex parlor stuff cuz apparently that was not originally like planned that way because i guess they didn't know how far they could go with the rating Mm-hmm. But then they heard about the Piccadilly Circus one in American Werewolf in London.
1: I was gonna say I thought it was weird that they both had weird porno theater it's... scenes and pornos playing in the
0: background. And the that was hilarious. The American Werewolf in London one, when they're all in there and the, and they're looking at him and telling him he need to commit suicide. And you got a couple of the kind of, like the couple, they're kind of like hello, yeah, you know, <laughs> kind of jolly. <laughs> then you got the old men, uh, the transients, the and they're dudes. like. Like, I don't care. <laughs> and then you got the one dude that's, like, straight up, like, pissed as hell. The one that got killed in the, in the trains. And, yeah. the, and then in the background, it's like, ah, oh, ah,
1: oh, oh. <laughs> just cracks and me And the up. guy just, like, walks up to him and just staring at him. Yeah. Yeah, that was a funny scene.
0: And apparently that was not a real porn. They had to tape that. I kind of wondered. They did tape it. And the joke in it. You remember the joke? He was like, uh said something about, it. I told you not to ever do that again. And he was like, you told me no such thing. I, I'm talking to her. Oh, yeah. She's That's like, right. I don't even know you. And he's like, oh. And he walks out. Right. <laughs>
1: that was hilarious. Yeah, as, as I was watching that, I was like, this doesn't seem like, I mean, obviously, who knows from the 80s, but I was like, this definitely seems kind of like it was <laughs> designed for this. Oh, yeah, it was funny. It was a funny scene. Um,
0: the storylines in both of them were good yeah i mean it's it's hard to pick one because i if i had to pick i
1: don't think one's better than the other. i think it's just preference
0: yeah because i i think i would pick american werewolf in london just because i saw it first and it has good story has memorable characters the scene in the bar was one of the best scenes in any horror movie mm-hmm. like just them going in and getting warned that that was a great scene uh the funny touches of having a moon song in every piece of the soundtrack, like <laughs> bad moon rising, moon and dance, moon dance and blue all moon. that. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Um, f- so it kept it lighthearted and scary. I felt like the howling had less comedy in it. It was more serious. Yeah. But it still had some comedy.
1: Yeah. It was a little goofier too. Like you said, yeah. with that whole community being kind of goofy, but, I don't know, yeah, they're just they're both so good. I think my preference would be the howling, but again, not because of anything bad with American Werewolf in London. I just kinda like the vibe and the story of the howling. But You just I, take that
0: one scene out, it's almost a perfect movie.
1: Yeah. I think so.
0: And it even it even has like horror icons in in it. I don't know if you noticed any of that or read about it.
1: Well, Dee Wallace is a horror icon.
0: She is, but, I mean, she was kind of an up-and-comer at the time. Like, the old man, I can't remember his name. you have to look it up. It's foggy right now. The but doctor? The, no, the old, old man. Oh, the, the community? Skinny, like, he was, like, drunk that first night. And he was, like, almost spilled the beans and all that stuff. <laughs> He's a horror icon going back to the 30s.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that.
0: And so he's in there. Uh Forrest Ackerman, which is the guy that started Famous Monsters of Filmland, the the books. Okay. Um he's also a like big time collector of like uh Del Toro apparently not yeah. Not Del Toro, not see, <laughs> del Toro. What's the director's name we were just talking about?
1: Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. There's Benicio and there's
0: Guillermo. 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 Bought a lot of his stuff when he died, apparently. Cool. So, like, that guy was a big-time collector. Um, And then you had the guy that ran the bookstore. He was in, you know, a lot of the original horror horror movies, and he did, like, two or three Joe Dante movies. He actually did, like, Piranha. He did that. He did Gremlins. He was in Mm -hmm. Gremlins. Um, so that guy was pretty, pretty prominent. And then there was somebody else. I can't remember where the other parents was. I was just thinking about this cause I watched it again last night. I was like, man, that's pretty cool that all these people were in it. Don't so forget, John, uh,
1: slim Pickens, slim Pickens, <laughs> slim Pickets,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Strange love. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it had some, a lot of cool stuff in it. Uh I just, I, I think these movies are classic. I think these two movies are the best werewolf movies ever made.
1: I mean, I've not seen every werewolf movie, obviously, but I would think it'd be hard to, to not put them at the top three, two of the three, you know? So, uh, a
0: couple other movies that have been out recently or in the last few years. uh, Wolf came out in 94. That was kind of a play on, it had a uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and James Spader, I think, and uh, Jack Nicholson. And it's about Jack Nicholson turning into wolf, but mm. it was more of a uh, metaphor for how uh, business—they were all wolves and they would eat each other for getting ahead.
1: It wasn't super horror, not
0: super horror at all. It was kind of—I I didn't not like seen it. At it all. But uh, Ginger Snaps—you heard of that one? Two thousand. <laughs> heard of it, but I haven't seen it. So Ginger Snaps is kind of a low budget werewolf picture about these two girls and they always like take these pictures they're kind of outsiders at their school and they take pictures of faking their own deaths and stuff and uh, one actually gets bit by a supposed werewolf and she actually starts turning but the whole movie is like kind of a metaphor for girls coming of age and and, uh, getting to know their own bodies and actually menstruating so okay, and one of my favorite like little Horror punk bands uh, sing a song. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about ginger snaps, and it's a, it's about that time of the month, and it and it starts talking about like every month this person like grows into a werewolf, but it's kind of talking about menstruation and how they become a little different. A
1: little <laughs> now I'm gonna think about that when I think of werewolves from now yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, being a metaphor for so, menstruation.
0: So look at look at the ginger snap background. Uh, Harley Poe was the name of that band, too, by the way. There you go. Harley Poe. Mm-hmm. Look them up. They're really good. And then uh, we had the uh, Wolfman, which just came out in 2010. The remake. Which was a remake. Benicio. It was all right. It had a really good transformation scene in it. Uh, more CGI than anything. Um, I just didn't think the movie held up.
1: I feel like I watched right. it way back around when it came out, but I have no like very little memory of it or if I liked it or not.
0: There's been a lot of movies. Uh, I think m- the most recent movie since those two we just talked about, uh, American Werewolf and Howling, that I've actually liked was Dog Soldiers.
1: I wanted to try and – I had plans of watching a few more movies before we recorded but didn't have time, and that was going to be one of them. Dog Soldiers. I think it's yeah. on Tubi, and I've always heard such good things about it. I mean, it. It's, it's
0: it's pretty good. It's interesting. You could tell it's low budget, but it's like – and I think it's British maybe. But I've seen like but it's, it's screenshots way
1: from it. it, like the werewolves in it actually look pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good movie. I think it deserves all the merit that it's getting. Um, it's definitely a, one of those movies to check out. But, you know, there's The Werewolf. There's You know, do you want to give a rating on the movies now? Or, cause we've already talked about the history. Yeah. What do you think about this history of this bullshit? You know, I think every culture has it, but I think we use it as scapegoats a lot of times.
1: I think it's interesting, but yeah, I agree with you. It seems like just something that people make up just to accuse people of or give them a reason to kill them or something.
0: Skinwalkers is the newest thing though. I don't know if you've been seeing anything on the internet or anything about skinwalkers, but it seems like that's the new big thing.
1: Coming back around or something.
0: Yeah. Like some of it's more alien, I think. In theory. I don't know. I think it okay. All,
1: I think it all could trace back to aliens.
0: <laughs> I'm A big alien
1: guy. The Bible, you
0: know, could be, could be. You never know. Jesus did float up into <laughs> heavens, transport out of here, tractor through, beam through a hole. <laughs> um, um, let's talk about American Werewolf in London. On what you would give it, rate that, and then rate the Howling, and then we'll
1: be done. I again, they're both great, and I, my rating doesn't reflect one being better. It's just preference. I'm going to give American Werewolf. An 8 and Howling, an 8.5, just because I just, I don't know, I just enjoy a little more, but I really like them both a lot, and I think they're both great, and probably, like we said, two of the best werewolf movies out there. Absolutely. Twilight being the third, let's be honest.
0: I, boo. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I will go a little bit opposite, and I'll probably go a little higher. I will give American Werewolf in London a 9. Okay. Because it wasn't a perfect movie, but I think it's as close to a perfect movie that I could see, out of storyline, acting, and it does special hold up effects. really well. It I does didn't say really that. It,
1: like for a 40-year-old movie, it it holds up very well. Acting, effects, and story, all of it. Like. Yes,
0: I mean the, the mood, the atmosphere, like the lighting, like everything about that movie is bonkers in parts. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got. You know, parts where I feel like I actually felt the last scene, like when she was looking at him, and you could see his like snarl, Mm -hmm. like he kind of recognized her, and then he got shot when he last shot at her. But like she was actually acting to a puppet head, really, and actually trying to like go there and and make it seem actually, you know, relatable as a scene, like made it good to me. She was a good actress. I, I do too. I think that whole movie. I mean the sex scene in that one was a lot better I think Like so I would I'd put it above The Howling I'm giving it a 9 I'm giving The Howling 8.5 and I probably would give it a 9 if it didn't have the stupid <sighs> Disney cartoonish transition werewolf thing but it it's great too yep. it, it's got a good story some pretty good gore effects uh, you know great acting Everything, everything about that was really cool. Good.
1: Soundtrack, cool
0: soundtrack. The lighting was a lot better mm-hmm. in that one. I think the Howling had really good lighting, like especially the.
1: It definitely had that '80s horror, yeah, the, the era type lighting.
0: Yes, like I think American Werewolf in London looked more natural lighting. Yeah, and probably because they actually taped it in freezing cold weather, and like yeah. it was actually in the moors, and
1: mm-hmm. not uh, as stylized really, but.
0: Not as stylized, but more gritty and real. So it was a weird juxtaposition between the comedy and the realness of it. that's why I I probably just like it a little better. But, like, both movies were great. Uh, I think I felt more like there was more horror elements in The Howling. Because there was chase scenes. There was... Mm -hmm. You know, the, the American Werewolf in London was just like a, a monster or a wolf coming to eat somebody, but it was just random. He was just killing people. These people had, like, agendas on their mind. They could right. talk. Yep. So it was, it was more werewolf-like. Uh, so maybe I'll give that a nine. I don't know. It's just that one scene. <laughs> They're both great. If you haven't seen them yet, you probably don't even watch horror. But, you know, if you have seen them, go back and watch them again. This is pretty cool.
1: And if you're listening, get on social media and tell us what your favorite werewolf movie is because there's tons of them. Probably haven't even mentioned a lot of them. So if you've got one that you like that we haven't talked about, let us know. I saw one one time with Michael Perret
0: called Bad Moon or something like that. Everybody's like, oh, it's pretty good. It was horrible.
1: (laughs) Horrible. I feel like werewolf is in that same genre as just like zombies and everything else where there's going to be some good ones, but then there's going to be like a whole crop of just really crappy... C and D movie type yeah. werewolf movies.
0: Have you heard of Train to Busan? Have you seen that movie? Or heard I've about not it? seen it, but I've heard of it. It's a, it's a movie you I've need heard, to watch. I've heard it's very good. It is very good, but apparently they're doing an American remake. Oh coming God. up. So. Can I can already probably tell that's a bad idea and I've yeah. not even seen the
1: original. Yeah, I don't know. Is it a werewolf movie? No. <laughs> zombie movie. It's going to be a zombie movie. That's right. It is a zombie movie. But like zombies are one of those things where I feel like it's easy to do a bunch of crappy movies on because you could just throw some paint on somebody and make yeah. it look up like werewolves not really easy to do yeah to make someone into a werewolf for sure so you yeah need that's Rick why Baker. that's why more
0: people do zombie movies I think than werewolf movies
1: yeah and vampires
0: especially low budget yeah So Maybe we could do our own werewolf movie someday that'd be nice that would be cool or like a short alright man that's all I got you got anything else nope that's how, it how we doing on time pretty good Hour and twenty. That's not good,
1: bad. little episode.
0: Yeah. So
1: that was fun. That was a good story and good movies. It was a good episode.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This has been the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Trent. Stay spooky. And remember, if you play with it too much, you might grow hairy palms. <laughs> <laughs> the dead
1: of night,
0: when the moon is high, and the shadows dance, the evil will rise, the world between the living and the dead is thin, so now is the time to let all